My name is Nathan Allen. I'm the Global Missions Pastor here. Welcome to Global Sunday. Uh, anyone who knows a little bit about me knows that at time to time I can get obsessed with things. Uh, and my latest addiction uh, is that every Friday morning I show up in the parking lot of Chick-fil-A near the mall. Um, and you're probably like thinking, Nathan, Chick-fil-A biscuits, it's okay to be addicted to that. We understand. That's not why we're there. Um, there's a line outside of a store called Discount Bins, Okay. There are any discount bins people in here? You know who you are, okay? If you don't know what discount bins is, that's okay, okay? Discount bins is like a cross between Black Friday and a garbage dump, okay? <laughs> and every Friday morning at 8 a.m., the doors open, and there's a brand new set of stuff that comes from uh, returned items from Amazon and Home Depot and stuff like that. And it doesn't matter what it is. On Friday, it's 15 bucks. And so you're going through and you open up and it's like uh, a puzzle missing half its pieces. And you're looking and this is a used pair of underwear that didn't fit, so someone returned it. And then over here, what is this? A new barbecue tool that you've been looking for for a long time that retails $159 and today it's 15 bucks, okay? It's like opening other people's Christmas presents. It's so addicting. Half of them are just in brown boxes. You never know what you're gonna get. You're ripping open boxes. It's so excited and uh, man, I came across something a couple weeks ago that blew my mind. You'll never guess what it is. Barbie's dreamboat. Barbie's dreamboat. I was so ecstatic about Barbie's dreamboat. I could not imagine. Now, if you were to say to me, okay, Nathan Allen, five years ago, discount bins, world of wonder, $15. The last thing on my list would be hunting for Barbies. Okay. But why? Why was I excited? Because I had a major heart change, right? Why was I excited about Barbies? Because I have two little girls who love Barbies, okay? Which, by the way, they don't know they're getting this for Christmas, so, okay, don't say anything. Um, but yeah, I was so excited, and this taught me something, okay? When we grow to love someone, we start to love the things that they love, right? This is true with my daughters, that I love Fancy Nancy and Barbies and Bluey and all these great things. And it's true, not just that, but with my wife, okay? Uh, you know, when we were first married, Holly, uh, you know, we had the grocery list and I, and I do a lot of shopping for us and I go through and I'm like, Holly, what's qu quinoa? She's like, Nathan, that's quinoa. Okay. Um, man, let me tell you, we've been married seven years and I still hate quinoa. I hate it. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like boiled dirt. I don't understand it. Um, but you know what? Because I love my wife, I make sure I pick up quinoa because she loves it. And so I want to love it, right? I'll get there. Okay, look, God can do anything, right? Uh, here's the thing. Not only is this true with our relationships with other people, but it's true with our relationship with God. When we grow to love God, we start to love the things that God loves. And sometimes God loves things that we don't understand, but this morning, we're going to talk about one of the things that God loves more than anything, and we're going to start with the most famous verse in the whole Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You know, when I first memorized this verse, I was uh, in Awanas uh, as a little kid, and what they taught us to do was to cross out world, okay, and to put your name in that place, okay? Let's do that right now, okay? Um, let's say this together. When I get to world, you put your name in. Let's all read it together, okay? Here we go. For God so loved Nathan that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
it, you know, we hear this verse, verse so much all the time that sometimes we can miss it. Like, don't miss it. God loves you so much. He sent his son to absorb all the punishment that you deserved. Right? Isn't that amazing that God, the gospel is so awesome that God would pour all of the punishment that we deserved on his own son so that we could be free forever. Okay? It's a beautiful thing. And this verse is so awesome. But here's the question. Is it okay to swap your name in there? I think it is. I think if you're making it personal, it's a great tool. But if we're not careful, it could take us to another place. Because sometimes if we have this attitude with the Bible, instead of personalizing the text, we substitute the text. And instead of seeing what God wants us to love, we put in what God, what we want God to love. And we put ourselves in the place. And we got to make sure that we, we put it back, right? God loves the world. God loves the whole world. This is the whole story of the whole Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, every story of, uh, in God's word is about him reaching the whole world. It's in every book. It's in every story. If you want to really get a whole uh, summary of this, Global Sunday, May 1st, go to our YouTube channel. We go through the whole Bible, okay, on that Sunday morning. But this morning, we're going to talk about one specific book and one specific verse, and that is in Leviticus 19. So open your Bible, open your app uh, to Leviticus 19, and as we go through, I'm going to summarize where we've been throughout the whole story, okay? In the beginning, God makes a covenant with Abraham and Noah, and, uh, and then eventually we get to Abraham. God makes a covenant with Abraham, and he makes a promise. He says, hey, through you and through your family, we're going to reach the whole world. We're going to reach everyone. So God repeats this promise to Abraham's son, Isaac. And then he repeats the promises to Abraham's son, Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. They become the 12 tribes of Israel. And then the story takes a detour. Israel, the nation of Israel, gets stuck in, it, in Egypt for 400 years. So for 400 years, they're enslaved. They cry out to God. God raises up this leader, Moses. Moses comes, let my people go, prince of Egypt, right? And then uh, they, they, God sends the 10 plagues. He parts the Red Sea. They walk through the, out, in the Egypt, out in the desert and they're praising God, okay? And this is where we get to this part in the story. God says uh, in Exodus 19, uh, he says, you yourself see what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you out on eagles' wings. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For the earth is mine, and you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He says, hey, I want to make a deal with you. Israel, I want to make a covenant. Do you want to do this? And Israel says to Moses, yep, we're in. Tell us what we got to do. God says, all right, this is it. I'm going I'm to make you a kingdom of priests. What is a priest? A priest is an intercessor between God and man. And God says, Israel, you're going to be the intercessors for the world. You're going to be a kingdom of priests. You're going to be my people to show the whole world who I am. And God says, okay, we're going to set you up as a kingdom. And in this kingdom, it's going to be very special and we're going to have rules. So Leviticus is God giving the law to Israel. And these laws are really important. They show us God's holiness and his standards. They show us his values. It shows us what God loves and how we should live. And there's lots of important laws, but we're going to highlight this one specifically. Leviticus 19, verse 33. God says, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall do him no wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as a native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I'm the Lord your God. So the thing that we're going to talk about this morning, when we grow to love God, 
We start to love the things that God loves. And God says, I love the foreigners. I love the foreigners who are among you. So let's unpack this, okay? My, the ESV there said sojourn. Some of your translations might say foreigner. What's the difference between sojourner and foreigner? Well, if you did what I did and you just Googled foreigner, you would learn that it was an awesome 1980s rock band, okay? Um, you're as cold as ice. Anybody? Okay. God's not talking about that foreigner, okay? God's talking about, obviously, a foreigner is someone who's not from our land. And a sojourner is a foreigner not from our land that lives here for a time. So God's talking about those people who live here from foreign lands. And so God gives them this law. You should love them like yourself. You should love them as I love them. God loves the foreigner and he tells us, you should love them because I love them. You know, why would God have to give this command to Israel? Well, Israel, surprise, is a nation made up of humans, okay? And humans don't naturally like people who are not like them. Just ask an Alabama fan, okay? We don't like, just, or really, an LSU fan, let's be honest. No, um, God, we, we naturally don't like people who are different than us, okay? That's just our natural state as humans. And so God says, when these people are here, I want you to love them, because I want you to show them my love, who I am. And God gets really amazing. He, he says, you need to treat them like they're someone from your home country. And not only that, he goes even deeper. He says, you should love them as yourself. Not just your neighbor as yourself. You should love a foreigner as yourself. And God says this over and over and over in scripture. In Psalms 146.9, it says, the Lord watches over the sojourner. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. God loves the marginalized. He loves those who do not have an advocate for themselves. God wants us to love them too. We see this, this list all throughout the Bible. Widows, or orphans, foreigners, widow, orphans, sojourners. God wants us to love them and watch over them because that's what he does. In Deuteronomy, God says, Cursed be anyone who perverts justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. God says, not only love them, but don't you dare take advantage of them. I'm going to punish you if you do. He cares about these people. Malachi 3, 5, at the end of the Old Testament, God talks about all these people he's going to bring swift justice towards. And he talks about the foreigner. He puts them on the same list of all those who are doing evil things. So not only does God say, you need to love them because I love them, um, but we get to learn from this text that he says, you need to obey, not just when it's easy. We get this from this verse because um, Israel at the time that God gave this rule, they were not living in luxury. They were not in the land flowing with milk and honey. They're in the desert picking up manna scraps from the ground and trying to find water, okay? And so God is saying, don't do this just when it's convenient. Don't reach out to the foreigner, the, the stranger, when it's easy, when you have plenty. You need to do it all the time. And so he gives this rule to them when they're in the desert, but he continues and says, you need to do this because I'm going to put you in an amazing place, Israel. Eventually, God puts up Israel and like, he could have put them anywhere, if we're honest. He could have put them on an island. That way the other nations couldn't bother them. He could have put them on like a peninsula so that people couldn't, you know, they could defend it easy. Where does God put them? Look at this map. God puts Israel at the center of three continents. He puts them right there in the middle. And back in the day, okay, discount bins wasn't a thing. If you wanted something, okay, and it did not come out from the ground near you, you had to trade for it. 
And so the greatest ancient trade routes in the whole world went through, guess where? Israel. The African trade, the, the Silk Road, the Mediterranean Sea trade, all of the, the, these traders are coming through this land. So what does that mean for Israel? The nations are coming to you. I am setting you up to be my people, to be my beacon, my light, to show my love, because I'm sending all the nations to you. They're going to be coming through your land, and I want you to welcome them. And he says, I don't just want you to love them, okay? I want them to experience me. So God does all of these things for Israel so that they will know who he is. Eventually, God sets up King Solomon, and God says, Solomon, I want you to build me a temple, Okay, I don't live in a temple. God doesn't live in a temple, but he says, I'm going to bless you and do awesome stuff. And I want you to make this awesome temple. And so Solomon spares no expense. He gets trees from Lebanon. He gets gold and ivory, all this awesome stuff. The best craftsman in the world. Okay, spare no expense. This can be the best temple ever. And so as Solomon is building this temple and getting everything set up, uh, What's really amazing is, is, uh, th- there's this huge culmination. It's like this big event. All of Israel comes out. Huge parades, all the bands, all the best musicians. It's a huge party. They, they, they sacrifice 20,000 bulls. Okay. That's a lot of barbecue. Okay. It's a big deal. This is a big dedication for God's temple. And the culmination was when Solomon stands at the temple and he prays to dedicate the temple to all of Israel. Everyone's there. And as he's praying, he prays seven very specific things. Okay, I'm going to go through them super fast. The first six all have to do with Israel. When there's no rain, would we pray at this temple, God, and would you give us rain? And when there is famine, God, would you uh, heal our crops? God, when Israel goes into battle or when we lose in battle, would we pray and you give us victory? and expose our sin. When two people make an oath and someone breaks it at this temple, God, would you be the righteous judge? And then number six, if Israel sins and turns away from God and eventually gets captive and taken to a foreign land, would they pray here? Would you hear them and would you rescue them? Those are very six specific things. And then Solomon prays this, Second Chronicles 6, 32 and 33. Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people Israel comes from a far off country for the sake of your name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. When he comes and prays towards this house, hear from your, from heaven, your dwelling and do according to all of which the foreigner calls to you in order that all peoples of the earth might know your name and fear you as do your people Israel, that they may know that this house I have built is called by your name. God says he built a special section just for the Gentiles, just for the nations. And he says, God, when they come here, answer whatever prayer they pray, whatever it is, answer it. So they will know and experience that you are the one true God, that the gods of all these nations are not real. We want them to know you. And so God makes a specific plan for the temple so that the nations could pray and come to know him. God loves the foreigner. He says, you love them because I love them. Do this not when it's just easy. I'm bringing the nations to you. And then he ends in Leviticus 19 with with empathy. He says, you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Now, you may be saying, Nathan, uh, I can't empathize with that. I've never been to Egypt. You know, I hear there are pyramids, but I don't know anything about it. Man, just he's just saying empathize, okay? So just answer me this. Have you ever moved to another neighborhood? Maybe across town in Fayetteville, Fayetteville to Springdale, something like that, okay? When you moved in, how do you wish people treated you? 
you know, you wish they came with a casserole or, or a, a batch of cookies, you know. Holly and I moved last year to a house in South Fayetteville, and uh, we were kind of surprised, like, we got nothing from any of our neighbors. And so uh, when it came around to it, we were hosting a two-year-old birthday party for Mary Grace. And so we wrote invitations and a letter of introduction and put our picture on there, and we put them in all of our neighbors' mailboxes and said, just come, don't bring a thing. We just want to get to know you. Come and be here. Why? Because we wanted them to... We wanted to treat them like we wanted to be treated, right? And ever since then, it's paid off because Regina across the street gives us a batch, 12 dozen farm fresh eggs every single week, okay? Uh, now, that's not why you do it, okay? No, we need to love them because God loves them, right? But just think about your neighborhood. Don't you wish someone was like that? Okay, now let's, let's make it even more complicated. Have you ever lived in another country? Have you ever lived in a foreign land? Maybe you got a job promotion and you were in another place. It was a business trip. Or maybe you're a college student. You have a study abroad opportunity. Okay, how do you wish people treated you when you're from another country? Let's complicate it even more. What if you and your family had to flee your country because there were violent people trying to kill you? Or there wasn't enough food to feed your kids? And so you guys have to leave and go to another land where it's safe. How do you wish people would treat your family then, right? That is what God's saying. Hey, Egypt, uh, Israel, you should know. You've been in Egypt. You know what it's like to be mistreated. Don't you dare do that. You know. And many of us have never had that opportunity. We've never lived in another nation, but we can still empathize and say, God, what does it look like for us to love the foreigner as our own selves? So God loves the foreigner, New Heights, I just want everyone to hear that what was true for these commands and these promises for Israel are true for us today. God is sending the nations here. There are refugees, there are international students, there's lots of opportunities, and God wants us to reach those people that are here. It's true for us just as well. You know, if I were to say, hey, God wants you to reach the nations, a hundred years ago, that'd be a very hard thing to do. Jumping on a ship, traveling to a foreign land, that's a challenge. And so today, what's amazing is we live in a globalized world. God loves the foreigner, and we live in a globalized world. You know, for most of human civilization, you only knew the people who lived in your hometown. That was it. You never met someone from another country ever. But now, in the 2022, there are people from everywhere going everywhere all of the time. With technology, with worldwide travel, with cell phones, with English, with translation apps. I mean, people go anywhere, all over the place. And, you know, for most people, they never got to experience anything for most of their life. Can you imagine growing up in a place and never having tacos because you didn't even know they existed? Okay, that would be horrible. But man, we've got all of these foods from all around the world. It's an exciting thing. And so God has blessed the United States of America in an incredible way. I've not been to every, I've been to a lot, over a dozen countries. And let me tell you, this is the greatest place in the, on the planet. Like America is the most amazing, wonderful place. Now, we've got our issues. We've got problems for sure because we're sinful humans, right? But man, I've been to so many nations where I have experienced so much hardship and we live in the Disneyland of the universe. Like we have so much opportunity and wealth and education. It's no question why all of the nations of the earth want to come to the United States of America. And not only that, but Northwest Arkansas is incredible. Like there are so many blessings here. Some of the largest corporations in the world are here. We've got the Ozarks. It's beautiful and amazing, right? There's wealth and development. The, we have tacos. I mean, there's so many cool things about Northwest Arkansas. 
And God is bringing the nations here. Let's just talk about the University of Arkansas for a second, okay? This year, this fall, we had a record student enrollment, 30,000 students at the university. I know we felt it as we're driving around. It's like, what are all these cars here? Right? It's amazing. All of these people are here. 15,000, half of them are from out of state. They're not from Arkansas. Of that out of state uh, 15,000, 1,180 are international students from 107 different countries. Those top five populations are India, Panama, China, Bolivia, and Saudi Arabia. Isn't that amazing? There's some people all around the world. And not only that, but there's a ministry, uh, a, a nonprofit organization, rather, called Canopy that works with the government to settle refugees. And there are, uh, fit on, in 2022, there's 364 refugee families that have been settled in Northwest Arkansas from around the world, most of them from Congo and Afghanistan. You ever want to be a missionary to Afghanistan? You know how impossible that is? So what does God say? I'll just send them to you. It's so easy. They're right here. They're in your backyard. Man, when you think about it, India has more unreached people groups than any other nation in the world. China has billions of, with a B, billions of people without access to the gospel. In Saudi Arabia, it's illegal to convert from Islam to Christianity, and it's illegal for a foreigner to even hand a Bible to a Muslim. And so God says, I'll send them to you. That's so hard. Don't worry about it. I'll send them to you. Those populations are right here in our city, a couple miles from this building. God wants us to love the foreigner. And so that leads us to understand this is the greatest opportunity. God loves the foreigner. We live in a globalized world, and this is the greatest opportunity. If we were going to be missionaries to these places, it would be incredibly hard, so God sends them here. Now, before we move any further, I need to just be real, okay? For a lot of people, this is incredibly hard to talk about. For some people, just speaking realistically, the idea of reaching out to foreigners is a challenge because we've experienced things that are really hard that affect how we think about other nations. And one of them, I just heard a story recently from Bruce and Kathy Tippett. Many of you guys know them. Um, a long time ago when they were much younger, okay, they bought their first brand new car. And they were pretty excited. They did a lot of shopping around. They got a great deal on a brand new Toyota. And so they were so excited. They wanted to drive around and show all their friends. And so Kathy called up her parents, say, hey, we're coming by with a new car. So as they drive into the driveway, her dad is sitting in the driveway and they pull up in their new Toyota and they notice like as the car gets close and he sees the car, he goes from excitement to just rage. He's just beat red. And Bruce and Kathy are like, what is going on? And they get out and they're like, hey, dad, you know, the car. And he doesn't say a word, just goes in the house. And they're like, what has happened? And it took them a while and they realized, oh my gosh, Kathy's dad was in a Japanese POW camp in World War II for four years. He was seriously mistreated and, and he was malnourished. And the idea that one of his kids would buy a Japanese car made in Japan, he just couldn't comprehend it. Right? Some of us have some very real hurts that have come from people from other countries. There's a woman in our church I've talked to several times whose sons were in the military and they had to fight in Iraq. And she said, man, it's been incredibly hard to love Muslims that I meet because they're the ones wanting to kill my kids. Right? There's some very real hurts that can lead to some very real prejudices. But man, you know what? If we can just press in here at New Heights, okay, get even more intense, Politics makes this way worse. Politics makes this way more complicated because there are members of our church who have very 
real uh, valid opinions about borders, about building walls, about protecting our country, right? And, and there are people in this room who love Jesus and are members of this church and are probably very opposed to one another's ideas, okay? Now, here's the deal. I think it's important to talk about policy matters. They should be discussed. I think the Bible makes it clear that Christians need to be involved in public discourse, and there's a great biblical basis for understanding Christians being involved in government, okay? But the government is not our hope. However, we need to do these, we need to have these conversations with gentleness and respect. We need to do this face to face and not over Facebook. Facebook conversations do not count, okay? They do not count. Face to face with gentleness and respect talking about one another. But here's the bottom line for you and me. When it comes to the reality of immigration, you and I have no say on who is coming here from where. But you know what we do have a say in? On how those who are here are treated. That's who, what we have a say in. When those foreigners are here, regardless of why they're here or whether you think they should be here, we have a say in how they should be treated. They should be loved and welcomed like we love ourselves. And that's what God is calling us to do. We need to love these foreigners because we lived in a globalized world and God's sending the nations to us. And this is the greatest opportunity. So if we're going to get there, some of us have to do some serious hard work, right? We need to be open to what God's doing. And as followers of Jesus, we need to be living out of reconciliation and forgiveness. That's why we are here on this planet to point people towards Jesus. So number one, this is going to require humility. We're going to have to walk through the gospel. We have to live this out. Man, regardless of how you feel about foreigners, just think, preach the gospel to yourself. Did I deserve forgiveness from God? No. But what did he do? He forgave me anyway. He's patient with me. It took a long time. And so God is asking us to do the same. If we can, if God can forgive me, I can surely forgive others, right? That is the humility we need to live in. We have to do this in the power of the gospel. We need to do this humbly and asking God, would you help us? We need to work through the power of the gospel, being humble through this. The second thing is this requires faithfulness. Like we live in a world of sound bites. We judge people from other countries, but man, what did your country do to others? Empathize with other people from other nations. How long did God pursue you before you said yes? God is faithful in reaching us and being gracious with us. He's patient with us. And so we're going to have to have that same attitude with internationals from other countries. Okay, they're not going to hear the gospel one time. And I mean, maybe, but the chances are it's going to take a long time, years of friendship for them to build up trust and, and relationships that can bear the weight of truth that we can speak the gospel and they're open to it. We cannot make projects. We cannot make projects. We have to love people faithfully, right? Just how God would love us, even though we fail. So we need to be faithful. This could take years, but man, we're, you will, I promise you, you will have friends for a lifetime and Lord willing, eternity, right? And third is this requires practical love. This just has to be practical, right? God, in God's word, like God's word says that we only have to love three groups of people. That's it. We have to love the church, strangers, and our enemies. That's it. That's all, that's all we have to love. It's pretty easy. So if we're going to be sacrificially loving these other people, it needs to be practical. What are some practical ways you can serve people from other nations? What do they need? They need friends. They need community. Some of them have very tangible needs. 
And practically speaking for us in this room, do you know what that means practically for you and me? We need to open up our schedule. We fill our time every week, every minute with hobbies and work and sports and kids and fun and so many things. We have barely enough time to breathe. We have to build margin in our schedules if we want God to use us. Man, these long conversations over tea with people from other countries, man, it's going to take some time. So we need to open up our schedule. That's a practical thing. But man, there's so many opportunities. If we can just think about this differently, if we can just grow to love God, we'll start to love the things that he loves. I think a great goal to shoot for is for every family in this church to invite someone from another country over to their house for Thanksgiving. That's not, we have a whole holiday in our country where we thank God for stuff and eat the best food. Every international needs to experience that. What a great opportunity. That's a great goal to have, a practical way to love someone from another nation. And man, not only that, but we at New Heights want to equip you with so many opportunities. In the back of the room are some awesome ministries, okay? Um, there, you could, if you're a college student and you want to reach internationals, Bridges, right there in the back, connects college students with international students. There's so many opportunities. Go to that booth. Canopy in the back that welcomes refugees, they have asked New Heights for a couple different community groups to band together to welcome one refugee family, to love them, welcome them, and commit to serving them and help them transition. They've never lived in America. They have no idea about sweet tea. Okay, they need to know what it's like to live here. And so Canopy is asking for us to join them in welcoming these families. And on top of that, we have Furniture Friends. Furniture Friends is an awesome opportunity to reach internationals. We have people donate furniture. We deliver it to international students who don't have furniture. And we say, hey, we want to pair you with American friends. Right now, we have a list of over 60 internationals who we've given furniture to this fall who have no American friend. They have asked for one, and we have a waiting list. They can get you connected today with someone who says, I want to be with you. I'm from another nation. Would you be with me? Would you be my friend? Man, it's right there. And just to show how this is the greatest opportunity, um, but before we do that, man, if you're like, man, I don't even know what this looks like. I, I don't know what it's like to talk to someone. I'm nervous, okay? I would highly encourage you, November 21st, 22nd, come to NWA for the Nations. Saturday morning, we have a breakout specifically about welcoming internationals. Tits, I'm sorry, what I say? October. October, October 21st, 22nd. Uh, and here's the deal. I know the guy who started the conference and we worked out a deal. If you entered this code today, New Heights Church for the Nations, NAC 14, $10 off, okay? It's a joke, it's me. Okay, I started the conference. <laughs> this is just for New Heights, just for, day, just for today. At midnight, it turns off. Sign up today. Uh, we have free childcare if you sign up. We, we want you to come and learn and experience. If you just wanted to learn, check this out. Um, but I just want to say this. Justin Mills um, has worked with um, Furniture Friends for, for the last six years. And then over the last year, he and his family moved overseas to a, a country in Asia. And um, they felt called, very called by God to be in this place. They've been there for a year. They've been learning the language, learning the culture, trying to connect with people. And just a couple of weeks ago, um, we were able to connect online. That's one of my favorite things about technology and about my job is I get to talk to our global workers around the planet. And I was saying, hey man, how's it going on? And he said one of the most amazing things. He said, several times a week, I find myself longing for the opportunities that I had in the United States. 
He talked to Alon about all these barriers. He's like language, culture, family, all these other challenges that I have in this country, you do not have in America. And he said, because of these barriers, the ability to reach people here is so hard. It's so few. But God has made a way to bring the most difficult people to reach to Arkansas. Fayetteville, and sometimes in just one church, has more believers than in their whole entire country. And God is bringing them here. I, in the same vein, my sister is a worker in the Middle East. And as I was talking to some college students about Islam, I said, Sarah, what would you say to these, these, these students? And I thought she'd say something about the Quran or something. She'd say, you know what you need to know? It is so much easier for you to reach Muslims here now than it is for me in a Muslim country. Guys, this is the greatest opportunity. And if we will just say yes to what's in front of us, open up our schedule, say, God, the most practical thing you can walk away from this talk today is to say, God, would you open my eyes to the people around me from other countries? And would you maybe use me to be an, have an impact in their life? And here's the deal. If we reached every international and refugee in Northwest Arkansas, guess what? There would still be nations around the world that are unreached. And that's why we send out global workers. And we have a lot of different workers in different countries. And so we have a video just to highlight our, our family members, our New Heights family who are in other countries. Check this out.
Isn't that amazing? Man, it's so cool that we get to be a part of these people's lives. They're the members of our church family that just don't live here right now. Uh, and so one of the things we do every Global Sunday, we're all gonna do right now, is we wanna encourage those who live in other nations. And so we've put in your hands as you walked in today, a note card and a pen, and we want you to encourage uh, our global workers. So here's, here's what's going on and all that stuff. You got a note card and an envelope and you got a picture of one of our workers, okay? And, and where they are and here's some prayer requests. But if you're like, uh-uh, I don't wanna do these people. My best friend is one of these people. Okay, turn it over on the back. We got all the rest of our workers on there. We're gonna take just a few minutes and just pray. Even if you don't know this, this is a true story. One of our workers has this framed in their house and they have a note card that we sent to them. They live in the Middle East and it's hanging in their living room. And it says, hi, I don't know you. This is my first time to this church at New Heights. I have no idea what we're doing, but thank you for living in another country. <laughs> Listen, that's framed in their house, okay? Everyone can do this. We're just gonna take a few minutes right now. Pray about it, write a verse in there. Just say something encouraging. Man, this means the world to them. We're all gonna do this right now. Okay, if you're done or not done, please make sure you put the name on the envelope for who this is going to. So we make sure it gets to the right people. And as you finish up in the back, there's a box with a sign on it that says encouragement notes in there. You can drop that in there. And there's a big tub in the lobby where you could drop these off and we will make sure that our workers get these. I forgot to say too, if you're at home watching online or you didn't get a thing, you can scan this and you can fill out an encouragement note digitally and we'll make sure that our workers get it. You can do this whenever you'd like. Um, so yeah, thank you for doing that. Guys, this means so much to our workers. Uh, and just before we close, I just wanna share a cool story about how the potential that, that we have in reaching internationals that are among us. And so I wanna introduce you to this family. This is Stephanie and Ring. Uh, and their two daughters, Michelle and Rochelle, okay, they uh, are from uh, Indonesia. And Indonesia is the largest Muslim country, uh, has 272 Muslim people. And it's, uh, it's very hard to do ministry there. Um, Stephanie was able to grow up in a Christian family. She was able to come to Christ and she won a, a prestigious Fulbright scholarship to the University of Arkansas. And another friend of hers who is a Muslim got to come as well. And they came here and uh, got a master's program at the university and in her friend's apartment, a Muslim, she had nothing. There's no furniture. She had no money for furniture and they heard about furniture friends. And so they signed up uh, and tried to get, uh, sign up for some furniture and the furniture friends people came and her friend, Stephanie's friend said, hey, would you come? I don't know these people. They came and she said, they moved all the furniture. It was amazing. We didn't have to touch anything. They asked us questions about us. They were sincere. And then she said, I was totally surprised when one of the volunteers asked for my Muslim friend, hey, can I pray for you? And she said she was shocked because she had faced persecution in Indonesia by trying to minister to one of her friends. And she goes, here's this person in this country offering to pray. And so she was wondering, I mean, what's gonna happen? And then her friend said, I'd love for you to pray for me. And she got to pray together and she said, it's amazing to see what furniture friends can do. And she said, we have now become, like they became members of New Heights. They went through discovery. They're a part of our church. And they said, since June, we've been serving with furniture friends every Saturday. And it's, we've really been blessed by God being able to then in turn, these internationals are a part of furniture friends giving furniture to internationals. Isn't that awesome? And they said that we are viewing this as our training ground. So when we go back to Indonesia next year, 
God can use us to reach our neighbors by doing simple, practical things like delivering furniture and offering to pray for people and building relationships. And they encourage us to do the same thing. Man, we can reach the nations of the world if we just open our eyes and say, God, would you use me? Let me pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for showing us your heart for the furniture. God, I pray for those of us who are struggling with that. God, would you open our hearts to love the things that you love? Because God, we know you love us. God, we're amazed at your grace and how you treat us. God, help us to do the same to those who are not from our nation, those who are sojourning in our land. God, would you help us to open our eyes to see them in Walmart, in our neighborhood, in our workplaces? God, would you help us to pursue them like you pursued us? God, we pray that um, you would reach the nations of the earth in Northwest Arkansas for your glory. God, we lift up our global workers around the world. Thank you for their work. God, would you bless them and encourage them? Draw them near to the promises of your word. God, we pray that you would help us reach the nations for your glory because you deserve worship from people of every tribe, tongue, and nation of the earth. God, we want you to receive the reward that you deserve. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.